0: Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a great show we've got planned for you today. Of course, Dr. Glenna Rice is in the house, but we have a guest, featured guest joining the conversation today, Anne Maxwell. First, for those of you that are thinking, yeah, I know Glenna. Well, here's the thing. I get to watch the evolution of not just you know what we do here at the show, but the people that we get to work with and play with. And so the question mark really does become, you know, how do we learn to become who we are? And what is it about us that continues to grow and change? You know, uh, for many of you, you've heard me introduce Glenna as a therapist, a physical therapist, owner of Access Physical Therapy. But more than that, she's an Access facilitator who travels all over the world. The question that I love that she presents is did anyone teach you to be a parent? No, no, they, you don't get taught to be a parent. You don't get taught. And you also don't get taught to be a child in the way that explores possibilities, unless of course you're Dr. Glenna Rice's kids. But on the other <laughs> hand, what is it that is conscious parenting? And then who are these conscious kids? We have a guest psychotherapist today, Anne Maxwell, joining in on the conversation because, yeah, the word conscious is important in all of this. You know, Anne, a uh, psychotherapist, 25 years of experience. She works with children, families, adults, and is joining the show today uh, also as a co-author of a book with Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Uh, they are the uh, co-creators of actions Consciousness. So, What is it about the work that she's doing, the keys to the magic, all of the above, and how can we write a new narrative to what it is that we can learn about conscious parenting and how that cultivates conscious kids? Welcome to the show, both of you today. It's great to have you. Thank Thank you so much. Yeah,
2: thank you, Dr. Pat.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I I want to add another category in here. Uh, conscious grandparenting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the reason that I like to add that in is because what's happening now more and more in the universe of what we do, grandparents are, are coming back to playing a role that they once played, you know, decades and decades ago, right? I mean, you know the story. It's like, okay, you're going to spend the weekend with grandma and grandpa. And I tell you, I was one of those kids and I loved every minute of it. But the idea of conscious parenting, I think, is worth talking about. What does conscious parenting show up like in the world? And welcome to both of you. Who wants to take that? Glenny, you want to start? Yeah, I would love to. Um, And I'm so, so grateful that
2: Anne is joining me today on this call. She has such amazing gifts with children and and their parents. And um, I just can't wait to hear what she has to say. But, you know, I was... I was wondering about how it's in it. I knew I would get asked this question, <laughs> what is <laughs> conscious parenting? Um, and there was just a, um, a quote that was put out by Gary Douglas, who you mentioned earlier, um, and I'm just going to read it, because it kind of sums up a lot of stuff about what consciousness is. You know, consciousness, from Gary's point of view, what he's written is, is the ability to be present in your life in every moment without judgment of you or anyone else. It's the ability to receive everything, reject nothing and create everything you desire in life greater than what you currently have and more than what you can imagine. So conscious parenting is to parent from that, from being present in every moment in your life but also in your children. And to receive everything, reject nothing, not judge you or your children, um, and create what you desire in life. And, and like you said, cultivate is a really beautiful word, Anne. I mean, Pat, it's, I like the word. Yeah. To cultivate that desire in your children to have greater and more and facilitate that for them and gift that to them. So then yeah. they can have the ability to have the consciousness that they come in with. Um, and now Anne can speak to that because she has, she's really beautiful in how she describes consciousness. Well, before too, you,
0: but. before you jump in in, Anne, I want to make it even a little bit more uh, interesting for you. And that is when Glenn, Dr. Glenna, you're talking about this, and, and I'm talking about cultivating. The thing that comes to mind is, are we cultivating probabilities, or are we cultivating possibilities, and mm-hmm.
1: So, thank you so much, and thank you for the invitation, Glenna and Dr. Pat, and I'm thrilled to be here. I've heard lots about you. I've heard your radio shows, and I really admire you, and thank you.
0: Oh, you <laughs> um, bet.
1: Yeah. So, when a, from from my perspective, the what differentiates consciousness in parenting from other forms of parenting is um, there's a is being willing to see kids as knowing way more than they're ever given credit for. And so part of the capacity to be present is to be present in their worlds and to ask them questions to be curious about what's going on and when when you function from probability you really function from conclusion from you know the way things are what all the experts say what everybody how your parents tell you you should parent what all the books say and the functioning from possibilities is really functioning from asking questions and that's really part of that's one of the key ingredients to being able to be present is not functioning from any foregone conclusion but really being curious really wondering what is this what can I do with it Mm -hmm. what are they saying what is you know what's actually going on here what's up right yeah does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And the other part of it too is, you know, we teach we teach our kids, uh, and then as adults, if we continue on with, uh, let's just say, sports, right? I mean, dance now is another one of these arenas, but you know, it, it, originally it was music, music, right? But sports, dance, we teach them and encourage them to really learn these things. And as part of learning them, we also are saying to them, you must focus. You know, you must put your energy in focus. The question really then becomes, as we're cultivating this idea of focus and attention, is are we going to focus on a limitation? Because this is really, to me, important in this. Are we going to focus on a limitation? Or are we going to find ways as parents, as teachers, as people that, as people that are guiding others, are we going to find a way to move away from that limitation? Even if we show up at the table with our own limitations, Doctor Glenna?
2: <laughs> you know that <laughs> this sports analogy is really actually very apropos for um, what changed. Something that changed huge for me, huge yeah. when I started. Uh, when I started doing the access work and um, found the tools, is I had overscheduled my children. Crazy! It was crazy that what their lives were like, and they were pretty young. My youngest was one. She just was getting carried around in a um, carrier all the time, in and out of car, you know, car <laughs> in and out of practices for her brother and sister who were older. And I had to ask a question and look at this. Like my son was in, I don't know, baseball, soccer. He did rock climbing and karate and. I have swimming lessons, I think, two were in there. And they started out small, and then they got more times a week as he was getting older. He wasn't having fun. I wasn't having fun. There was no joy in anything he was learning. I had a point of view that this was somehow contributing to his life, but I never, like Ann was saying, asked a question. It never had occurred to me. I didn't, you know, I was coming from a, a conclusion that this is, was, would contribute to my child's life. I never mm-hmm. asked a question if it would. And then I was one day, after I went to some classes, I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I asked him what he knows? What does he enjoy about this? What Mm. sports would he like to do from his point of view? He's the one doing them. It's his future, it's not mine. I'm not ever going to play soccer, and I don't (laughs) love going to his games every weekend. I'm not a good (laughs) soccer mom, believe me. (laughs) I try (laughs) it. And um, we went down, everything went away, but karate. Everything went away. It was the only one that was a yes for him. I asked energetically his body getting that yes, no, light heavy that we've talked about on the show many times, and I just asked him out loud, you know, what do you know? What would you like to continue doing? Would you like to continue any of them? Is really what I said.
3: Right. And if
2: you do, which one? And it was karate for him, and his sister dropped out of everything and went to some art school on the weekend, which is what she wanted. Um, And then I have the one parenting rule that I actually have, ever really had, my kids, they needed to be dressed at the door, telling me to hurry up for their practices or we didn't do the sport. Right. And that's been going on for like 10 years, and it's always been that way. My youngest daughter does cheer now, um, and she is dressed at the door going, hurry up, Mom, I'm going to be late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was
1: interesting. Uh, because well, that
0: was with and this is, Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is really just one example, right? But it's a really mm-hmm. important one. Because what it talks about is a pattern of what I like to call delivery. You know, there's a pattern of delivery that we can get into as ter- in terms of how we think we want to guide, manage, control what's going on with our kids. and and I, I, and I would love for you to talk about control for a minute, because you know, in the world, right, that we live in, I'm a parent, I'm afraid. I must control.
1: Awesome. And so, one of the what I what I say to parents and what I say to friends and anybody who asks me these kinds of questions is, I bring them to this idea that choice creates, and the choice that you make now actually is creating a future—immediate, medium-sized, and long-term future. And kids get this. And just a really quick story: a mutual Mm -hmm. friend of of Glenna's and mine, her son was a year and a half at the time. And it was the first time in the summer that they had had a barbecue and their family gets together all the time. And he spent the entire time running towards the grill, pretending that he was going to touch it. And she spent the entire um, event yelling at him, telling him not to do it. And she called me afterwards and she said, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to live through the summer. Like, this is not fun at all. What do I do? And this issue of... this thing of control, like as parents, we're taught that we need to control our kids so that they're not out of control. So they conform to all the rules and regulations. So they do the right thing at the right time with the right people and therefore succeed, right? Well, Mm -hmm. you know, so choice creates. So I said to her, here's what you do. Take his hand, like next time you have a cookout, make sure the grill's really hot and take his hand and put it right up to the grill. Don't touch it. But mm-hmm. put it up to the grill and let him feel the heat and say, Look, if you touch this big, 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 big owie, and you know how bad the doctor hurts you when you go for a shot, it's gonna mm-hmm. be worse. And I said, Say as much like horrifying stuff as you want to about that. And then I said to her, You're also gonna have to be willing to take him to the ER if he calls your bluff. And she said, I'll do it. Like, I, this is not gonna work. So the next, she called me after the next cookout and she said, She did what we had talked about and she said, um, she turned away, and he went, Mama! And he started running towards the grill with his mm. hand outstretched with a grin on his face. And instead of yelling at him, she just shrugged her shoulders and rolled her eyes up to the sky, put her hands up, palms up, and turned away. And he didn't do it again. And he hasn't done it since. I mean, he's five now, so he wouldn't be doing that anymore. Yeah. But choice <laughs> creates, and kids get that. And 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 if you try to control them, all they're going to do is fight you. But if you tap them into the energy of whatever it is that they're creating by choosing whatever they're choosing they're the ones who get to control their lives and their worlds does that make sense
0: it makes sense and here's the question because um our children are like what no difference no different than we are (laughs) but yet we want to impose like these I don't even want to say dual standards, because they're not just dual standards. There are many, many different standards, right? Mm. Um, You know, aren't we talking about, you know, for today, aren't we talking about the level of consciousness, I think, has to begin with our own consciousness? And that's the question, Glenna, I'd like to ask you about, is, you know, How do you all work with parents so that they can raise their level of awareness to the exact way that you just described, right? Yeah, well, um, one of the things is, you know, parents are all working on their
2: life, living in reality, too. And we don't always have as much consciousness as, you know, we might not be there yet. Um, But we can have tools that will help our kids, and they'll help us, too. So I always come in. you know, whatever limitations are going on in your world, whatever stuff you're creating as parents, um, your life living reality, where it's messed up. Interesting point of view. It's an interesting point of view. I'm not judging any of that. If you're coming in asking questions for different, adding to creating something different with your kids, these tools are going to work anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. they really are. I, I, um, just asking a child what they know is going to open up so many doors for them. No, it's great if that'll actually turn around so you can ask yourself what you know, too. Our kids are, my kids are my greatest inspiration. Kids are my greatest yeah. inspiration. Um, yeah. they, they don't have as much stuff in the way. They haven't been on this planet as long in those bodies. You know, they're infinite beings, those little bodies, but the, you know, there's not 25, 30, 50 years of dealing with this reality. <clears throat> and they might come in with stuff, but they're not, they've got, their doors are easier to find. They're easier to open up. They're easier to, you know, tweak. Um, I had a story, just like what Anne was saying, you know, there's the um, burning your hands is one possibility, um, but I had my daughter, the youngest one, dress herself from the second she was could, and mm-hmm. she would, in early years in grade school, go to school in, like, put together the strangest outfit, and I'd look at her, and instead of controlling her and saying, you need to change those clothes, which would have not worked with her or any <laughs> of my kids, I would say, okay, so if you go to school today dressed in that, what's it going to create today? And I would just ask her what she knew about it, like have her look into her day with her clothes on, the goofy outfit, the mismatched socks, or her pink tutu, Cinderella outfit, whatever it was she was putting on. Um, and she would often, you know, she didn't always change the clothes, and I would let her go in what she was wearing, because she saw what that would create for her. Whatever that was, was her creation. She was choosing it. It was her choice. It was creating her reality, and if it worked, she would know it. If it didn't, it would be her choice. It wouldn't be mom imposing on her. And then she often would go, oh! This isn't going to work, and she'd run in her room and put something else on, yeah, that's an ease with parenting, and really, one of my targets with a lot of this the parenting work I do is to have parents have an ability to create ease if they want to choose it Because ease makes your life better, it creates more for you, it creates more for mm. your kids, you know your well that leads starts me yeah yeah.
0: I mean that leads me to uh, you know to wanting to talk with you both about this idea of awareness as opposed to okay you know doing what's right and we started to touch upon that but the thing I want to make sure we mention is on September 1st you're actually going to have a panel of conscious parents so if people are listening to this show today and they're thinking what do conscious parents look like. This is going to be a way to to literally talk about that, but also, you know, Conscious Parenting, Conscious Kids, also a live stream, uh, September ninth. Tell us about what you've set up to demonstrate what this looks like for people.
2: For that webinar? Yeah, it's going to be a Zoom. I don't, I'm not sure how many people are on it. There's a whole bunch of us that are going to be there, and you can ask if anything, um, probably yeah. like seven or eight different access facilitators parents um some may not even be parents but are just are involved with kids i think Anne, are you going to be on it i'm pretty sure Anne is um i hope she is
0: uh, I'm, and... not, I'm not
1: i oh, we can talk about it later i would oh, love there to. there we go <laughs> yeah. yeah i would love
0: to <laughs> you can explore what's possible
1: little... yeah
2: it's a bit it, the who's going to be on and the questions are going to be asked is going to be a little bit loose um knit but we will be there talking about that talking about an amazing um six-week telecall that Gary Douglas is doing, Conscious Parents, Conscious Kids. First time he's really done a parenting um, telecall seminar since I've been doing this work, which has been 12 years. He did something a long mm-hmm. time ago, kind of passed on some of the parenting stuff um, to teach the classes to me, and now we're opening it up to more people to be able to teach this. And he's going what he's going to talk about after, you know, with what's going on and changing in the world right now and with Access, it's going to be incredible. I'm so excited for that class.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well and how can let's just make sure we let folks know throughout the you know the show today the the best way to to find out more is people can go to accessconsciousness.com slash dr glenna rice i mean that's one way to do it right
2: that'll find my seminar on the night the other ones is just go to accessconsciousness.com okay um okay i can put yeah, that would be or you can also go to my Facebook page, they're listed there. Um Glenna Rice Good. my Facebook yeah. and you can find all of that on there too. That's probably the quickest way. Because I don't know the exact links to do the, the two calls. The other mm-hmm. um, the webinar and mm-hmm. Gary, you could go you could search Gary Douglas to find his boss or Conscious Parents, Conscious Kids on the Access site. I love it.
0: Now Ann, I wanna talk with you a little bit about, you know, your work with kids because you know, you do something called the spectrum, right? And yes. I wanted to get a sense from you about what that is. And then how do you integrate the access uh, tools?
1: I, Dr. Pat, that's a great question. Um, and I'd like to take the second one first, if that's oh, okay. Like, yeah. I, I am a seeker. I've been a seeker forever. I've taken every therapy modality available to god in me you know and i happened upon access consciousness about eight years ago seven and a half eight years ago and and so my practice is eclectic and i have and and i include the best of the best and when i discovered access consciousness i didn't throw out everything that i was doing i actually continue to keep the stuff that actually does work and two of the principles that i've always had in my practice um that we're actually talking about are everybody, this belief that everybody does the best they can with whatever tools they have available to them in the moment, right? Yeah. And then the other one is that behavior is a form of communication. And so my question when families come in and there's a lot of stuff going on is what is it that's creating this is the best that they can do? What is it that's creating this behavior from this kid? What's he actually saying, you know? Or what, she, what does she want to get What does she want to have told? And one of the things that occurs in adults is if as children they're invalidated and what they know is discounted or they're made fun of or they're told it isn't true or whatever – they learn not to trust themselves. Yeah. So when they grow up to be adults and all these experts tell them how to parent and what to do and what to say, even though in their heart of hearts, they know that that's actually not gonna work with their kid, they try it anyway. And then they think there's something wrong with them and something wrong with their kid because these tools that the experts have told them to use that should work don't, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so one of the, one of the things, one of the questions that I ask all my parents is, what is it that you know about your kid, right? Like, what's going on? What do you know? And isn't it true that you actually know your child better than anybody else on the planet? And so even if what you know flies in the face of what the experts tell you should be so, would you be willing to follow that to know that that's actually true? And and you can just see the waves of um, self-judgment and fault-finding and like, all that kind of stuff just roll yeah. off their shoulders when they get that, they're, that they actually are the experts on their kids, not the experts. You know, kids that only need five hours of sleep a night where the pediatricians say they need 11 hours and the parents make them wrong and the kids wrong. I mean, it, I have stories that I could write, like, eight more books with <laughs> about yeah. them. But yeah. that, like, that's that, that's that second piece of how do I integrate it. I ask the parents what they know. I ask kids what they know. And they and they tap into it. I don't ever tell them what they should say or do. I can make suggestions, but um, I don't ever become the expert over them.
0: Mm -hmm. And isn't that yeah? And so the reason, Anne, that that's so important is to talk about is in the context of this, is part of consciousness. Period. Part of consciousness is the idea of awareness, and the idea of awareness has to do with the idea of witnessing. And, you know, we break it down in, you know, in our own modern contemporary top terms to the word listening. But when Stephen Covey addressed this ages ago with the seven habits, you know, he defined listening differently as opposed to waiting to talk. And he defined it in terms of being understood And I think that's what, you know, at some level, that's what I hear you both talking about today is this form of consciousness that has to do with understanding each other, not just on the parent, you do what I say, but understanding. When we come back from break, we're going to take a look at how do we go about it? What are the tools and what is it about this level of possibilities that could clearly change the way you're going about your day? And then how do conscious kids create differently? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is a story about control. My control. Control of what I-
3: mind.
1: Isn't it time to put your health first,
2: to give yourself the gift of whole body wellness? What if embracing unconditional love and self-care was the first step to wellness? Could you honor that for yourself? My name is Audrey Michelle, host of Rewired Life Radio and the author of Rewired Life, A Journey to Untangle Chronic Pain and Endometriosis. In my book, I share how I healed from 17 years of chronic pain and disease. Get your signed copy at AudreyMichelle.com slash book, spelled M-I-C-H-E-L.com slash
1: Are you struggling in a relationship and deeply craving some tools and support to get things back on track? Do you crave having a loving, compassionate relationship with Mr. Right, but always seem to pick Mr. Wrong? Well, Sarah Luce can help. She's created a four-week online course starting September 28th that will teach you how to shift your energy and behavior to have new transformative outcomes. And
0: you're going to get a personal one-on-one session with Sarah to ensure you get powerful personal results. Sign up today at SaraLuce.com.
1: Known for his keen sense of humor, contagious smile and extensive esoteric wisdom. EJ translates deep spiritual wisdom into practical advice to empower you to live your happiest, most fulfilled experience. Mystic Living Radio, deep spiritual wisdom, practical advice with EJ, Eliyahu Jihant. This hit show delivers profound experiences for all who want to live life to their deepest desires. Tune in monthly for Mystic Living Radio. Learn more by visiting vitaltransformation.org.
3: How would you like increased health and vitality?
0: Enjoy this as much as I do. Are we ready? I am, because it's all about control, and I've got lots of it. Hey everybody, welcome back. Um, I love this conversation. I love it. Here's what I want to say. And then, Glenna, you always love when I say stuff like this, Dr. Glenna. You love when I just open my mouth and out comes this thing, right? Here's the deal, folks. Parents and grandparents. You're sitting and you're listening to this and you're thinking you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I know it. I can feel you out there. I want to say that is absolutely something that I'm not even going to talk about. I'm going to, like, throw that right back at Glenn and Ann, um, because I know it's a consciousness level here. And before we jump to that and talk about how do conscious kids create differently, please, let's talk at some of these classes. Uh, September 1st, free Zoominar. Jessica, I hope you're listening because we're going to do the Zoominar thing, too. With the panel of conscious parents. September 9th, Conscious Parenting, Conscious Kids live stream from Dublin with Dr. Glenna Rice. Then the 15th, a six-part telecall with Gary uh, Douglas, uh, Conscious Parents, Conscious Kids. And then you can work with Dr. Glenna directly at uh, itsglennarice.com, right? I, okay, and then Anne, for you, can we please give out your website so people know how to work with you and talk yeah. with you?
1: Thank you so much. You my might. yeah, my website is uh and my name is with an e, so it's Anne Maxwell like the coffee lcsw com. And then I, you can also find me on the Access website, like Glena, except it's okay. www.accessconsciousness.com forward slash Ann
0: Maxwell. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All right, listen, a lot to talk about, Benny. We're going to skip the next break as well. Um, this idea of listening or talking or not talking or not listening or not witnessing, there's an aspect of this that even as adults, we know and long for. We absolutely, if you have people in a room and they don't feel like they're being heard, right? Something happens. A little switch gets flipped. But yet, at the same time, we don't look at our kids in that way and think, oh, maybe they got the little switch too. So I want (laughs) to have a conversation definitely about the switch, but about this idea that conscious kids may create differently, but it also requires conscious parents to show up so that there is a creation differently by all the parties. You see what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about in, yeah. what do kids know, but more importantly, what is it about us that think that we don't think they know this?
2: Well, you kind of alluded to it a bit when you were, um, actually that may have been on the break we were talking about it, but yeah. the, you know, you can't teach, teach a new old dog new tricks. Dog and new tricks. People have been parenting certain ways for so long. You know, they, you know, you control the children, or there's also the whole other side of it where you let the kids just run willy nilly and don't have any controls, It doesn't work either. Is neither yeah. of them have a question, and they're both coming from a total point of view about how you have to and what's right about raising kids. Like, you must control them, like, because if they're not controlled, they're going to turn out to be terrible, terrible adults in the future, or if you control them too much, you're going to stifle everything. But none of that's a question, because every child's going to be different, and every parent's different. And with three kids, I know every single one of my children, I had to, by being in the question and asking what would work here, what would change that, what could I do would be different to change it, what did they know about this, um, each one of them was completely different on how I raised them. I had to do a little bit more controlling with my son, if, you know, you want to say it was controlling, you had to be a little bit stricter. My youngest one, if I even sort of got upset with her, she would give me silent treatment for days. She taught me really quickly that that was not what worked for her. And really, they, you know, how can I parent these children so it works for all of us? What's required here? What do they require from me? These are the kind of questions oh. that I asked. They gave me the information of what would work. And also looking at the whole family, like, what can work here for all of us? What can I create or do would be different here that's going to create something that's going to work for my family and create more. And having my children contribute to me was a huge part of um, changing my point of view, like what can my kids contribute to me that I've never imagined? And they would start changing things. Things would start working better. So being a parent, you know, and doing parenting the right way, if I was coming from the point of view of this reality about how we should parent, none of the things that were ended up working so amazingly well and creating these fabulous children would have been available to me if I wasn't in the question all the time. I don't know if that kind of helped. um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, let's go, and let's go back to you, you know, the idea you can't teach a, a, you know, an old dog new tricks, you know, we're also talking about, you got to have a starting point. (laughs) right? We have to have a place to start here.
1: Right. And, and one of the things that I get is what if that's actually not true that you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Like what if, if that if, is if, not true? Yeah. If the old dog is curious and wants to learn new tricks, totally you can teach an old dog new tricks. And that's, that that's a lot of um, the energy that parents bring to me when they come to see me. Like I parents, parents who are stuck in their ways, and wanna be proven right about everything tend not to come see me because I'm not about that. I'm about <laughs> giving people whatever change they would like to have. So that, that, that deal of um, teaching an old dog new tricks, it all begins with a question. And, and usually parents bring their kids into therapy because something's not working right in their worlds, either at home or at school or out in the community or all three places. And they want to know what else they can do, what they can actually do different. And they come in from that point of view. What we're doing isn't working. And, um, and 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 that's really the starting point. And a lot of times, it's funny, I don't know, Glenna, whether you've talked about this before, but a lot of times the kids are like a catalyst for the parents to get whatever change it is the kids know the parents need to get. <laughs> so the kids will act oh, out. Absolutely. Right, The yeah. kids will act out and need to come into therapy, and then I end up talking to the parents the whole time, and the kids go play in the corner, and then everything's good until it's not, and then the kids act out again, and then the parents come in, and I've had case after case after family after family after family like that, and the parents will finally acknowledge it. Oh, my God, I get that, um, that I'm the one who, who's actually um, being asked to shift and change a little bit, and every time I do, everything at home settles down and gets easier, and and there's this willingness. It's not a, a question of being proven wrong, but it's a willingness to try new things and to, and it's almost a leap off the precipice. Like for that mom to have the pediatrician be yelling at her and telling her that her kid needed 11 hours of sleep when he never gotten more than five hours in his life, yeah. you know, when he was five years old. For her, that was a leap to trust what she knew about her kid over the the rules and regulations of the, of the pediatrician. And so it takes that kind of courage and that willingness to sort of stand up and to know what you know, and to not, not bow in the face of people telling you that you're wrong. And and so, I mean, there's so many examples of ways that parents can be that and do that. But, but um, for, you had asked me a question about kids on the spectrum before, yeah. right? Yeah. And those kids are different. There's nothing wrong with them. They just simply function differently from other kids. And they need, as parent, from parents, what they need is um, for parents to translate who they are and what they're about to the schools and to the people who are with them during the daytime when the parents aren't there. And so as an example, when um, a lot of kids on the spectrum will perseverate on something. So I had one little guy who was seven years old who who thought and talked about nothing but bugs and everything had to do with bugs. And in the second grade, he had a teacher who was awesome, who taught him math, reading. <laughs> I can't remember what all the other subjects were. Yeah, yeah. Counting bugs, learning about bugs, writing about bugs, reading about bugs, like whatever. It was all about bugs. Like that that degree of flexibility on the part of people who were with these kids to because they really don't fit into this matrix or into these rules and regulations about the way things should be. So,
0: Well, they don't. And you know what I find interesting about this, and probably we're not going to have a whole lot of time in this show to talk about it, but I want to mention it. They are worldly. Now, what do I mean by that? (laughs) They're worldly. And so there's this notion that Yep, pack my my child up send them to school they come back and they have no clue about what about what's going on in politics that is so not correct mm-hmm. and they've become more worldly do you find that that could be a little dilemma for parents because there are some parents that are in their busy and they don't really, I mean, they'll tell you, I don't have time to be worldly. I don't really know what to do, you know, when my child comes home and wants to tell me that the state of California is going to be 100% green in 10 years. It, like, I, what does that even mean? Mm. And, and so, how do we work with this? Because children are getting more worldly and... They have their own set of differences, just like you talked about. The spectrum is a perfect example. You know, I was I was a kid that was. We don't call them learning different now. Now we we have politically correctized this to say, yeah, you don't. You're not as smart as somebody else, Pat. But now we say, geez, she's learning different. Um, and there's a spectrum, and the spectrum's getting larger. So the question is really what do we want to to know for parents as to how do we invite this new level of worldliness of children into the conversation? Oh, great
2: question. Um, and, we've been, and we've kind of talked about that a bit already. It's really, you can just simply ask them what they know about it and be curious. And, and if you're not curious and it's not that, you know, it's not something you want to have that conversation, you can still ask them what they know, you know, and acknowledge what they know and acknowledge how they are different. Like, you know, one of the things about, you were talking about understanding. Understanding is kind of small with what people really require and desire. People want to be acknowledged children want to be acknowledged for what they be and who they be and how they create. And that acknowledgement is part part of what we do with this work is to acknowledge people's beingness, what they know, to acknowledge who the kids are, what they're creating and what their futures can be and how to contribute to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so asking your child what they know and how does that get, you know, what do you see, the, yeah. what do you see as a future with this worldliness you just brought home? So there's another yeah. little bit here that was just when you were talking about it this is yeah. one of my favorite parenting tools to give in the classes is asking, is there anything required of me right now with your kids? And what most parents find out is their requirements are about 5% of what they actually thought they were, even when children are very, very young. Children just want to know you're there. You don't take your, their, your energy out of their world. And when you, they need you, you're going to be there. But they <laughs> require much less than we as parents come in thinking they do. Um, so it could be that there's nothing required of you when your kid comes home with this information, except to acknowledge them that they have that information. And they don't really require anything of you about it, except maybe to say, hey, I learned learn this cool thing, and that may be all that's required. And if you've got a dilemma, you can just ask, is there anything required of me right now with my child? And if it's light, if it's a yes. Ask some questions, go say hi to them. And if it's not, you know, keep doing your business. Go work on your computer, clean the house, go shopping, whatever it is you have to do. There's nothing required of you right now. It makes parenting a lot easier when you have that question. I mean, mm-hmm. I have, to have parents ask it, like, for all day for a week, as often as they can remember. Is there anything required of me right now? And they always come back totally surprised. And then they have so much more time during their day to create what they would like to create as parents, too.
0: Yeah, it- you know, let's talk about, let's continue to talk about that a little bit if we could. Um, you know, the thing that I think is um, on on parents' radar, definitely on grandparents' radar, is this idea of, I am afraid of my child for the world, to be in the world. So I, I have to talk about that a little bit. I know that is not on the list of questions here that we, we said we are going to talk about, but I got to talk about it. You know, I am afraid for my child. I am afraid for my child. And that very belief, even if it's not targeted, meaning I'm just afraid for my child, causes a series of behaviors for the parent. Um, It may cause some things for the child. And I want to ask both of you, you know, for the parents that may be listening or even the grandparents that are like, yeah, I'm afraid for my child. What can we help them do differently.
1: Can I can I jump in here? Yeah. Yes. So what if Dr. Pat, the greatest? Really, what you're talking about is protecting them from harm, right? Yep. That's what correct. If they, right, and and there's not a parent or grandparent on the planet that doesn't think about that. Right. Seemingly 24 seven. If it's not active, it's certainly there. Um, what if the greatest gift that you can give your kid is the gift of awareness, whether it's your child or your grandchild, because even as a helicopter parent, you cannot protect your child 24-7, 100% of the time, right? Your kids are going to have to be able to, quote, take care of themselves, know when to leave, know where not to go, know who not to talk to, know what to say, what not to say, how to say it, and And so, this gift of awareness, like how do you do that? You ask them a question, you ask what what um Dr. Glenna's been talking about. You ask them what they know, like what do you know about that and And when you ask it so I'm just I'm not, I have tons of stories. One really quick story there is go
0: a, for it, okay It was
1: <laughs> hideous. It was every parent and grandparents nightmare. There was a nine-year-old girl who disappeared in Westminster, Colorado, about ten, about seven or eight years ago, mm. and she was uh, she disappeared about half a mile away from my practice. And all the parents, at the time, I was seeing upwards of thirty to forty kids a week. I had, my practice was just full blown, and and every parent was freaking out, and all the elementary schools were shutting down, and there were these lines of FBI agents that were going through field after field after field, culling the fields for evidence, like forensic evidence and that kind of stuff. And what had happened was the mom worked at night and she came home and went to bed and the little girl got up in the morning to get to school and she never made it to school and the school's automatic phone called the mom who was sound asleep and the first anybody knew that she was even missing was five o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so after a week or two of this, with just this heightened, frantic, panicky energy, it was they finally announced that they had found her, that she had been killed, that um, mm-hmm. and like that, I will spare you the details. And, mm-hmm. and in Boulder, the chief of police had a meeting with parents who were freaking out beyond belief. And what he said to them is, you tell your kids to trust what they know. And if they are ever around anybody where they feel uncomfortable, they know that they shouldn't be there or whatever, you tell them that they need to do everything that you taught them not to do. Scream, punch, yell, spit, yeah. kick, bite, like that kind of stuff. And it and it really created a shift in the parenting community in the in the local Denver area from this heightened panic of I'm gonna hold my child's hand until they get on the school bus to oh, okay, we can actually teach them and ask them questions. What do you know, yeah. right? Like, yeah. what do you know? And that's the gift of awareness. And yeah. and the, the gift of awareness, is not even anything that you think about. It's not cognitive. It's that people talk about it as that sixth sense or an intuition or an inkling or a sense of.
0: I, like, have, a, I have a term for it. I, I have a term for it because yeah. I grew up with it, Anne. And what you're talking about, I wish there was a course. Maybe <laughs> you both do this and teach this at Access Consciousness. <laughs> but if Gary, if the if Gary and Dr. Dr. Dame want me to teach this class, this is my wheelhouse. It's called Street Smart Sense. Right. This is me. Mm -hmm. I grew up in New York. I created street smart spirituality. It doesn't mean I walk around in fear because you're not going to stop me from going down to Manhattan or going down to the West Village. Right?
1: Exactly. That's what we're talking
0: about. Right. Right. But I'm not going to go down there and look like a tourist with my big purse hanging out with no zipper. I'm not. Right. We're not doing that. Isn't and that as a mom, if about? you
1: have an eight-year-old kid, yeah. you wake up or you stay up until they get on the bus, right? right?
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, like, because the 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 kid that did it to her was 17, and his mom turned him in. It's oh. like which mom was more aware, right?
0: Oh boy! Wow.
1: No kidding. Wow.
2: <laughs> wow. I do. Yeah. You know, I, I, this is one of my favorite another one of my favorite parenting tools, gifts to talk about with parents yeah. is that fear, you know, basically you're not considered a good parent if you're not concerned and worried about your kids in this reality um, yeah. and that worry creates strange, you know, if you're worrying about some of the things that's not happening like your kid's going to fall off a ladder or out of a tree or they're going to get hit by a car, that actually creates an energy in the child of being afraid of things that don't exist
0: 24-7 24-7, right
2: yeah, yeah, yeah so, One of the things parents can do when you have that state of anxiety or worry or fear from your kids is to ask, are my children going to be okay? Now, everything else about empowering them to know the best protection for children is their awareness is to give them that awareness all of this goes hand in hand, but also for you as a parent to not freak out. Are my children going to be okay? I ask this. I still ask it. My daughter just moved to Dublin, my 19-year-old, on her own for college by herself.
0: <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. You know? Your child? Oh, my God. Yeah. Glenna, yeah. I've yeah. known you to watch your child go off to college. Yes, in Dublin. Oh. I'm actually flying tomorrow to meet her for a week
2: and do some workshops, but she's been there for four or five days, wow. and and she will be on her own. So I, I had moments of, ah! Dublin, big city, 19-year-old, beautiful young girl, um, grew up in the suburbs in Marin. And and I'm just like, I asked, is she going to be okay? And it's so light. Is this creating her future? Is her future going to be great? Is it going to be okay? They're all huge yeses. I can feel my body almost vibrate when I look at what she's creating. I'm not going to stop that with concern and worry. Wow. I know she's going to be okay, and I'm going to contribute everything I can to help her create what she's creating with her future. So what is required of me? I'm going to go there and help her move, move into her apartment next week. And then I'm going to fly back home. Um, but this makes this allows me to have a an- mm-hmm. So I don't have to be that worrywart, worry, you know, concerned parent. And I've used this, the swimming lessons when kids were little. My youngest, jumping into the pool at three years old, couldn't swim, never had a lesson, going in the deep end, and I asked the same thing. Is she going to be okay? Totally light. Totally light. And, you know, is this creating her you know, what is she creating? Is it fun for her? It was all light. And I watched her in about 30 minutes teach herself how to swim. If I'd been afraid or done any of that as a parent, she wouldn't have had that. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that way she is of being able to teach herself amazing stuff with her body. At 13, she still has it. And I know that, mm-hmm. back, you know, at that moment, if I could have shut so much of that off, if i said, get out of the pool. Oh, my God. You can't mm-hmm. jump in the deep end. You're not safe. I didn't do any of that. I allowed her to be with an awareness that she was going to be okay. Now, I've gotten a couple no's with friends in teenage years. Like, that's not going to be good. They're not going to that party. That's not okay. And walked into the kids' room and said, um, what are you aware of about this party? Mm. Is this going to be fun for you? And they, every time I got the awareness, they were like, uh, no, I don't really want to go out with these friends. But two or three times, wow. for sure, they, they got the energy. They knew. I just was able to ask them a question, and they knew not to go. No argument, no fighting. You can't go. They got it each time. Great tool for
0: parenting parenting with. I love it. You know, and I I have to tell you, I just came up with a topic that I would love for you to address on a future show. And here's what I'm struck by, and I'm going to make it quick because I know we only have a couple of minutes. I grew up with a mom, and my mom committed suicide when I was six. My dad remarried really quickly. My stepmom pretty much taught me everything that you hear coming out of my mouth right now today and anytime you ever hear me speak and I don't know why I feel that there needs to be something a workshop something that and I don't really say this because I don't believe in separating people but I think step parents need a separate access consciousness something now you probably all think no parenting's parenting but for me I watched the series of maneuvers my stepmom had to do to keep her own identity and raise us kids the best she can. And I don't know, is there a difference for you? And maybe this is a cliffhanger question for next time. (laughs) Oh, I think it's a great
2: idea. It may be, I mean, I'm going to do more call series and that could be one whole call on that. I do absolutely agree that there is. um,
0: Yeah.
2: yeah, And, knowing that your children you know, children choose us as parents, they also choose step parents. Yeah. Um, can really be something that contributes to, contribute to step parents if they ask this child you know, what did this did these children choose me as their step parent And having that awareness can be, okay, how can I contribute? What was it that they required of me? Like did they you know, what was it about me that yeah. they chose could be something that can create more ease. And we yeah. I know some incredible step parents.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, Glenna, what I'm talking about is, and I'm the reason I'm mentioning it to you, and you know me, I don't care that we're live on air. Um, I think that there are there are people like my mom that didn't have these tools, but she kind of had them a little bit. And this is a woman that had her first child at 12 and her second child at 13, my stepsisters. But in the end, our culture right now is producing more step parents than genetically modified corn, and, <laughs> and, and and nobody's really saying step parents are great. How can we help make them greater? That's your new book, Lena.
2: I like that. How can we make? I just like that whole question.
3: That's yeah, a, so so let's you and yeah. I
0: after the after this, let's get on the calendar because I think this is this is a conversation that we really don't like to have because there's such a stigma around it. Well, I want to thank you both for today. This hour has zipped by. Uh, one last thing, last parting words, last message. what do each of you like to say here today? and thank you so much?
2: Be willing to know what you know and ask the children what they know. Mm. what else is possible with parenting you've never
0: considered I love it, And thank you what would you like to leave us with? Ah, uh, Glenna pulled
1: the words right out of my mouth, those are my favorite questions, what do you know about your child and to kids, what do you know and tell me more and ask your kids questions um, when, they, when they come to you with a problem ask them, so what else and what else do you know
0: the preceding audio was via a Skype call